heroes, and welcome to another exciting episode of One Shot. I'm James D'Amato, your host and Game Master. This week, we're continuing our Kids on Bikes adventure with Patrick Rothfuss. Before we get to the show, I wanted to let you know that we've converted our Invisible Sun actual play stream, A Woman with Hollow Eyes, into a podcast. If you've been curious about OneShot's first dedicated dramatic actual play, but for whatever reason can't get into video, the Woman with Hollow Eyes podcast is exactly what you've been waiting for. You can listen to me, Cat Cool, Alan Linick, and our talented GM, Darcy Ross, lead us, lead us through a world of magic and secrets in a fully produced audio presentation, including custom music and editing by Will Levendahl. Just search for A Woman With Hollow Eyes or Darcy Ross on your favorite podcast app. And while you're at it, if you're looking for other great actual play, be sure to check out Campaign. Campaign is the OneShot Network's podcast dedicated to long-form role-playing. We just started a new series in a custom setting based on the music of the Decemberists, and the third episode will be coming out this Wednesday. Heroes, OneShot is going to be experimenting with something new in the coming weeks. I listen to quite a few podcasts that include opportunities for fans to put personal messages in the show, and I really love them. Also, the current advertising system at OneShot is a little bit complicated for most of our advertisers. So we're going to structure something different, and that new structure is called Radvertisements. Starting on November 1st at noon central time, you're going to be able to book a personal or professional message to broadcast on OneShot or Campaign directly from the OneShot website. If you want to buy a personal message for something like a happy birthday, an anniversary, or even something romantic like a wedding proposal, you'll be able to book a personal advertisement for $100. Similarly, if you want to promote a project like a podcast or a Kickstarter, you're going to be able to do that through the same system for $200. Booking for advertisements is going to open November 1st at noon central time, but the first advertisements will air in December. If you're interested, head to bit.ly slash radvertise to learn more. With all that said, let's get to the episode. I'll see you in the mid-roll, heroes. I think we smash cut to the library at a different day. Is that the direction that you were thinking of going, Pat? Or were you going to go? Actually, we established that this is an old Carney yeah, rest stop. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's right. That's right. And so like the bad part of town is where like the old – some of the old Carnies who can't take the, the travel anymore have retired. Oh, yeah. There has got to be some old ex-fortune teller – you know, she's a member of the community. This town isn't too big. I've been here a long time, little interested in the occult. It's sort of like that guilty pleasure for the scientists. That is where I would go, not to the library. They all run their businesses out of the big top uh, apartment complex. <laughs> Ooh, big top apartment complex. So yeah, we get an exterior shot of the big top apartment complex. It is daytime and y'all are wearing different clothes. I think Cody's parent has just dropped them off and is like waving as you're joining the rest of the crew. Goodbye. Bye. Man, they sure let me do a lot of stuff. Love it. I think you were the only one who had a parent that I could realistically get to drop off, which yes. is I think very funny that they're not overprotective of your <laughs> very sick child. Uh, Brody ro- rolls up sh- shortly after that uh, in his uh, motorbike. He's still got white tee and jeans still got his chuck tees but now he's got like a bomber jacket that's Mm -hmm. clearly a little bit too big for him whose is it we'll find out oh no we move inside we we, uh get to like the exterior of this fortune teller it's got like printed sign on the door with like a palm and there's an eye and oh can we do a flashback real quick yes 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 so that night we just cut to a flashback of party sub sleeping on mr bailey's couch oh great Oh, that's good. Oh, that's very good. So the door opens up and, you know, we, we see a woman of Eastern European descent. Uh, she smiles widely uh, as she sees Mr. Bailey. Sebastian, welcome. And she, she does one of those kisses on the other side of the cheek. And then she puts her hands on her hips and she looks down at the kids. She can just barely look down at Brody, who's starting to creep up uh, to be taller than she is. And we have guests as well. Party Sub has like a hoodie on, as usual, incredibly baggy pants, but the hoodie's hood and drawstrings are drawn up extremely tight, and he's wearing some busted sunglasses. And such an interesting energy around this group. Hello, madam. I hope this day finds you most well. We are three 
best friends, four very best <clears throat> friends, the best friends that could be. And I hope that we don't interrupt your day any more than we are. We're about to be on our way doing best friend things. You well, can tell that you're lying. I'm not lying if I believe it. For Sebastian, you wouldn't be interrupting me at all. What brings you all here? What's the name on the outside of the shop? Is this Madame Zorastra? Yes, of yes. course it is Madame Zorastra. And so it's like, uh, well, Leslie, um, <laughs> I, uh, I... Show with a picture, Mr. Bailey. Can we come in for a quick sec? Of course, please come in. Show with a picture, show with a picture. Show her. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to show her the picture. You know, we've had some nice talks over the years. Leslie, and I have enjoyed your company to a great degree, and you've been very kind to me. Um, I've been more than kind with you. I've been patient as well. You have been patient as well, which is the best sort of kindness there is. When you're trying to maybe educate someone and they they aren't on board with it fully, maybe when you're met with uh, an unfair amount of professional skepticism. um, We saw an angel. We need to know if it's real. But like a bad angel. But like a bad angel. Well, we don't know if it's bad, but it's scary. Her drawn-on eyebrows raise so high on her head. <laughs> off and then yep. draw new ones that are really high. <laughs> and then I and raise up the paper and I go, I've done enough reading to know that a good and bad don't really apply when it comes to things like this. That's sort of off the map, right? Dutiful is the word for it. Right. Which is way worse than bad. Brody laughs at the, even the hint of duty. <laughs> <laughs> I think she is pouring out tea for your group. You said that you saw this, your your group, the kids, you saw this? Well, I saw it on Brody's roof a couple of nights ago. Shh, use that alias, I told you. I saw it on Luke Skywalker's roof Hell yeah. a couple of days ago. <laughs> and then Luke Skywalker saw it That's me. on a different roof <laughs> the day after. You're not Luke Skywalker. I am a farm boy with hopes and dreams. When and I cross we, my eyes, I see two suns setting. And then we've seen we've seen a lot of other weird stuff and it's just really it's a lot. She she nods. She's uh shuffling a tarot deck in in front of herself. Oh no. I can see why that might frighten you. Have you been seeing other things? We saw a man. I never saw no man. I never saw a man. Either. And she pulls a card from the deck and she places it down on the table. She slowly flips it over. The figure printed on the card is a pale man in a black coat and has a wide brimmed hat <gasps> with a large toothy smile and scrawled out below that in neat text is the devil. I would like to no. make a grit roll, please. There yes. No <laughs> you are entitled to that grit roll. Five. I think you Barf. are terrified. <laughs> yep. Sounds about right. Brody says, hit me. Flips a card in front of you, and it's going to be the one of swords. But on this card, there is what looks like a seraphim, a large collection of wings with eyes and there is a flaming sword, a single flaming sword in the center of this art. And I will roll a grit roll with six. I think you are in a very similar state okay. uh, to Hank. You know, th- there's part of this that was like kind of a fun mm-hmm. joke. And that part is really starting to recede away. Yeah. You get an adversity thing too. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Nice. Oh. I have one. You should roll grit and hit you. Yeah. <laughs> uh, can I roll grit? Uh, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Four. <laughs> does 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 Cody get a card as well? Yeah, I think I'm going to have to give everybody a card here, and I'm just trying to line up appropriate cards uh, with everybody because I don't want to hit anybody with give the tower. Swords. Yeah, please don't hit us with the tower. A card flips over in front of Cody, the moon. Oh. And finally, a card is flipped over in front of Mr. Bailey. And that actually before before, like if she lays it down, I'm going to put my hand. On oh, yes. And I'm like, Leslie, I really appreciate this. But I'm here because I need to know how this works. Like is salt? Is that real? It will salt work. Can that keep these kids safe? Is it silver? People talk about amulets 
and stuff do have that. I mean, uh, and forgive me if this is insensitive or if I am playing into a stereotype mm-hmm. here, but and for like for the first time, like Mr. Bailey gets a little bit he's not measured and calm and like he is fumbling around for words and that like the kids have never seen that i think she places a hand on his and and she looks at him and there is some pity in this look look sebastian i would love to give you an amulet or salt or anything to make you feel better but i think right now feeling better isn't as important as doing what has to be done. Okay. And then he'll, 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 he kind of like pulls his shit together, sits up straight and he says, okay, okay. If, uh, if, if we don't get magic charms, then, uh, then give me the truth. And he, he actually, he reaches and then he turns it over. And the card is the magician. And the art is of a young woman with dark hair in a bit of older style dress. <laughs> Tell me how much you know about Mary Heller. Kids, pop quiz. Mary Heller, the little lamb. Little lamb. Little lamb. <laughs> well, those Mary were... Heller, little lamb that she killed in the snow. Well, she... Those were all the papers that... I think the lamb represented innocence. Well, that... You know, that, that hunky like reporter, when he dropped all those papers, that was... She was on one of those, right? She, she they're not telling you house. kids the right ghost stories in school anymore, they, they Mary Heller. Mary the Hill. witch house. The witch house. Oh my gosh! I turn back to Madame Zarastra and I say, "I think that probably answers your question as to how much we know." All right. Well, I've seen Jaws. That was I mean, scary. I'll say the- <laughs> <laughs> Everything I ever needed to know about witches, I learned from Jaws. <laughs> <laughs> so we need a bigger boat. <laughs> This town's got a tough history. The side you're from, you know, the money place, it's a lot different than here. And I guess we only tell these old stories out here. Probably you're a little older, maybe about a year older than you. uh, She says, nodding towards Brody. You're going to learn in local history about Mary Heller. It is a dark stain on this town's history that we had the last witch trial in the United States. And a young woman lost her life because of that trial. And she's the young woman who used to live in that house that's at the end of Mr. Bailey's street. We tell a different version of that story on this side of the tracks. And that is that Miss Heller did a very brave thing. She did it to protect everybody and some very bad people have been very angry at her for a long time for doing that. Everybody burned her has to be dead by now. <laughs> Nobody burned anybody. That's good. Whew. What? She was executed, though. What did they do? Well, they put her on trial, and they found that she was a witch, and she was killed for it, and it wasn't pleasant, and I don't want to trouble you kids with uh, that sort of thing. What about the tongue? And there's a beat as she looks at you. Where did you hear about a tongue? She told me. In the basement of the Heller house. She slides forward the devil card. Um, That toothy grin, I think, is punctuated by a long forked tongue that extends out of that figure's mouth. Hank, like, slides away from the table. Years ago, this town was booming. You know, business rolling through like never before. And the folks and families who ran those businesses are pretty much the folks and families who run the town now. And legend has it that Mary Heller cut the tongue out of the devil's mouth and she buried it in her house. If you don't know the right people... That might sound like Mary Heller was up to some dark shit. I look at Mr. Bailey. I'm like, this is, she can just. (laughs) I kind of like, you know, a little shrug. (laughs) Welcome to the grown up table. But if you run in my circles, you know better than that. Mary Heller cut the tongue out of the devil's mouth for sure. 
That's because he was talking to people all over town. Is... Is he... Is he here? She nods and also shakes her head. It's complicated. What? He's in this town for sure. Well, fuck, Hank says. Oh, <laughs> Hank, it doesn't sound good when you say it. Yeah, I think she like she, she shoots a <laughs> look at you and turns back to the group. Now, a lot of people get mixed up in the wrong sort of thing, but it's not much of a problem for most people. You know, you, you live your life, you, you do good things, um, and you don't have to worry about it. I think, Cody, if Mary Heller told you something, then you should listen to Mary Heller. Listen, right, Sebastian, I don't know what's going on, but if you're seeing things, I think you got to believe them. If someone's asking you to do something, you got to do it. <laughs> it's uh, uh, Heller, Heller, never tell her, did she put it in the cellar? The kids still sing that shit, right? Yeah. It's just like out there? Yeah. Kids sing about things because they happened. You, you know about pocket full of posies and all that. Yeah. Bad stuff goes down and kids remember it in songs. Okay. Okay, they're looking for it. She needs help. They gave you the card. Did the, did the, like, I've done a lot of parent teacher conferences. Did those two people, like proud new owners, did they give me the Wiggins? Uh, so yeah, I kind of think that there are a couple parents that just do not gel with you, uh, when you sit down hmm. with them. Um, and they all, like their children seem to be fairly normal, but like you'll sit down with them and you'll just feel strange. And, you know, you get that feeling from a lot of people. Okay. 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 Usually they're the type of people asking you to come join them at the muskrat club. Yeah. I can see that like right here and now suddenly clicking together mm -hmm. in my head. If the kids stayed here, would they be safe? I, I'm not staying anywhere. We yeah. want to go with you. I'm not staying anywhere. I, she, well, like, she, okay, no, right. She, no, okay, no, I'm just no, going to say it. I'm just, I'm, no, listen. okay, I'm just going to say it. Like, Leslie, Leslie, Le Leslie, don't you have, like, can't, like, did you draw a circle or something? Or, like, don't you have, a, like, a, a spell? Can you, like, this house or Bailey, no, can Mr. I, can Bailey, I, can I've I, been protected my whole life. There is no way that anything is going to keep me indoors. We only get so many chances to help people in our lives, okay? And you know what? She asked me. She asked me to help her find her and get her out. And you know what? It's not fair. It's not fair that that kind of thing happened to someone. And if we can, if we can help her, why wouldn't we? It's not. Uh, no, no, you're you're right, Cody. Cody, you know, you have a good heart. You can't keep on protecting and us. You... She's a kid, too. Well, actually, I can. <laughs> and, and then I look at Leslie. I'm like, a church? Uh, so struggles move both ways. You don't, as a witch, generally seek to cut out the devil's tongue because, you know, that can get you in trouble with the wrong sort of people. I have studied this my whole life. And I only know part of the story. People see angels around this town, too. And she pulls out a book. And there are sketches and drawings. Some have more skill. Some have less skill. But to those of you that saw the, the angel, it evokes the same sort of feelings. There is some truth at the center of these different pictures that is calling to the feeling that you had when you were looking at that thing. Brody has been ashen faced for this whole conversation. And after seeing this picture, these pictures go by, uh, he, and like he, he, she's flipping it at a normal rate, but in him, it's just like getting faster and faster. And you're seeing these things, seeing these things. And he stands up and he has tears going down his face mm -hmm. and he goes out the door. Look, I think that Mary Heller wasn't just keeping this town safe from the devil. I think she was keeping this town safe from all sorts of things. I wish I had more answers for you, Sebastian. I really do. I think if Mary's reaching out to you, there's got to be a reason for it. You know, she was clever when she was alive. 
got to imagine she's still clever when she's dead. Okay. Okay. I, I kind of like looking out the display window. Is Brody just like having a breather out? There? Brody you know? is doing that thing that like you're so upset. You don't even know what to do with your body. So he's just like kicking and kind of like mumbling and like talking to himself. Um, and he has like has his hands in this bomber jacket. And he's just really like, <laughs> you know, that kind of attitude. And he like keeps kind of going over to his motorbike and then kind of walking away. I think because you're outside, you can see on the other side of the street, there is someone in a black jacket with a wide-brimmed hat um, that gets more and more noticeable as you are out mm-hmm. there. Um, as he kind of like he's kind of like shaking it off as if it's a, a view uh, that he doesn't really see, and as it becomes more and more realizing that it's not the trick of the eye. He like wipes his eyes from uh, from the tears with the with the longer sleeve, this brown bomber jacket, and he hops on his motorbike and he uh, starts pedaling to get the the engine going. Mm-hmm. And then he pulls out his uh, kitchen knife that he keeps with him and he starts <laughs> riding towards uh, the man with the black. Wow! 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 Y'all can see this. Like I, I'm like up, up, out the door, like ding, 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 that that, that cheery. <laughs> cheery bell that she has to welcome people in yeah yeah like ding 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 you know like up the stairs it's like with probably way too late can you roll a fight for me sure oh fight not fight fight for flirt an 11 an 11 wow yeah you charge at this figure with your serrated bread knife mm-hmm. <laughs> and it's like a dull steak knife <laughs> You know, you get to be the most badass teen ever if you stick one on the fucking devil. <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah, dude. Ooh, and I got motivation of percolating, everybody. So this is fun. You pedal towards this figure faster and faster and faster. And I think uh, the they have their arms outstretched mm-hmm. um, towards you. Sort of like welcoming you to them um, and as you're getting close in you for the first time really get to see their face and their mouth opens up and the jaw hangs open wider than a human jaw would be able to and there's this big void where there should be a mouth there should be teeth there should be a tongue but there is nothing the creature does not flinch in fear or anything like that. As you approach the figure, you enter the crossroad for the first time, mm-hmm. and your limbs start to feel heavy. Mm. The sound and the rest of the world stop. You slow until you are just a couple feet in front of this figure. It's looking at you with these blazing eyes, and it's, hope, its hanging mouth is just there, open, as it walks slowly towards you you can feel something hot in your pocket. It's that business card. Mm-hmm. He pulls out the business card. It says above a dotted line, one word. I suppose it's a word, but <laughs> Alex. There's that dotted line with the X next to it. Your head is filled with visions of this person, this crush that you have. Your heart flutters. Your hand twitches. What do you do? These visions of um, Alex is, is the most uh, popular boy at school. He, you see him like passing the ball, the basketball to Brody, kind of like bouncing off his shoulder, like he's trying to be too cool for Jim. But mm-hmm. uh, Alex is not someone who's scared of Brody or anything like that. Doesn't really get his antics, but is like, oh come on, just play. Let's we need, we need one more for for uh, shirts and skins. And so Brody kind of like relents um, to do that. Uh, and so you just see these nice like moments of like Alex stopping when people are walking, kind of like hanging back to walk with Brody and things like that. Um, but then you see images of Alex with Bethany, who is the most popular girl in school, yeah. and you see Alex and Bethany like holding hands and like uh, having you know like her her decorating uh, his locker for for the games that are out of town and things like that. And Brody takes the card. And takes his knife and he puts the knife through the card. 
Cody. And I think as you do that, sound returns to the world and there is a truck bearing down on yeah. you, horn blazing. Uh, I need... Can, uh, I, from, can I get yeah, there? Yeah, Mr. Bailey. <laughs> uh, I think I think this might be a flight roll. Um, oh, because boy. it depends on speed. Uh, though I could be talked into something else, uh, depending on what you think. Charm the hell out of that truck. I'm very, Don't think uh, it's I'm, charm. I'm very charm. I'm pretty sure it's not charm. I could be talked into brawn. I could be talked into grit. I feel. Um, for his role. Yeah, for I would. Him. I would take if. If if I could do brawn, it's not so much that I'm fast enough to get there. It's that um, if because I see, I'm just trying to think of how I can make this make sense actually physically too. <laughs> it's magic. What sort of a truck is this? Like, are we talking Mack truck? Yeah, we're talking Wonder Mack truck. <laughs> Wonder bread. <laughs> It is a Wonder Bread truck. They did <laughs> sort of pay for this product placement. <laughs> but it's not great if it kills a child. No, not great. Um, it, it barely kills a child. I, so we're going to succeed at this role. Like, I, uh, I'm, I'm wondering at what, like, I could try to, if I could body check him out of the way, it means I could grab him. That works out the same. Yeah. If, like, Here's the thing. If I see that he is starting to move and all I need to do is keep this truck from like I need to give him another half second, mm-hmm. I will put my shoulder into this truck. Okay. I don't think you're going to be able to shoulder check this truck, Jeez. but I do like uh you you know you're I think can we find the not superhuman version of that? Yeah. I like to figure out what that is. Oh, oh, okay. No, 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 no. It's, it's, I can jump up if the window, if the guy driving the truck, the window is open. Can I jump up and grab the wheel and haul it? Oh yeah. Yeah. You know what? Let's go with that. That is a wild action scene what? and a big twist. It's a big <laughs> twist on this thing that we normally see in movies of pushing someone out of the way. It's not speed. It is like an act of of a lot of physical uh, uh, strength and prowess. So let's roll that. And especially really back like in the eighties, like <laughs> this truck does not have power steering. Oh yeah, and I can't I, I can't get there in front of the truck, but I can get to the window and haul. Like this truck is probably going to flip over, Ooh, but you know, but I'll haul that wheel. Yeah, let's do it. Okay. I get a 15. Oh, yeah. Easily. This truck is moving, and I don't think it's moving very fast. But uh, the driver has just had the wherewithal to honk at this kid that they didn't see in the middle of the road and we can see that honk happen and then all of a sudden we see Mr. Bailey uh, reaching through the window and yanking the steering wheel in the other direction um, pulling the truck off harmlessly bouncing it up onto the sidewalk before the brakes really kick in and it almost tips over it is almost a disaster but both the child and the driver are safe. Mr. Bailey, I think, looks a little bit worse for wear. Yikes. As he did take, like, part of the impact of, like, getting hit to jump onto that truck and pull that steering wheel to make it move out of the way just in time. If I may, me and uh, Hank were still in watching from the window of, of the store uh, with... Madame Zarastra. Mm-hmm. And I think I turned to her after this all happens. We were all on the edge of our seat. We turned to her and say, we're going to do it. We can do it. <laughs> we're going to do it. We're, we're going to save the world. We're go- we can do it. And I'm sorry, Madame Zarastra, your highness. Look, can you help us? She she gets down, uh, down on a knee and she looks at you. She reaches for a silver bobble uh, that's on one of her shelves and, and she places it in your hand and goes, I think this is all I can do, but I hope this is enough. And uh, you pull your hand away. Look at it. What is this? A bobble? I think because I pulled the moon, it's just like a little silver moon on yeah, a keychain. Perfect. Something like that. And so I look at it in my hand 
and I say, hey, let's go. Hank uh, looks at the lady, mm-hmm. and then he looks at the card that's on the table, and then he looks out the door, and he says, so much for empiricism. And then he follows you out there. <laughs> we run. We run to check on Brody. Hey, heroes, I hope you're liking this series. If you are, there's good news. There's actually going to be an ongoing podcast starring Stephen Kropa, Liz Anderson, and Pranks Paul. But it's not going to be on the One Shot Network. It's the newest podcast by my best friend, Cat Cool. And it's something that she's been working on for a really long time. It's called Autonomic. That's A-U-T-O-N-O-M-I-C. Autonomic is a dedicated, family-friendly actual play podcast, meaning it's something you can listen to with kids. It's based on Southeast Asian Indian and Ecuadorian folklore, amongst other things. There's a lot of exciting stuff that Kat's told me about the show that is unfortunately still a secret. But if you're excited about the show as I am, I urge you to go to autonomic.com to learn as much as you can. And be ready to welcome this new podcast into your feed as soon as it comes out. Speaking of new podcasts, this Wednesday we're going to have a new episode of Campaign Skyjacks ready for your feed. And despite a couple complications with getting the feed set up with iTunes, the A Woman With Hollow Eyes podcast feed is now live. So you can listen to the adventures of Wayne, Kitty, and Calvin in the city of Saturnine on your favorite podcast app. While you're looking to download those, I want to remind everyone that we've got some conventions coming up. This weekend, November 1st through 4th, you can catch me, Alex Roberts, Jim McClure, Megan Dornbrock, Daniel Kwan, and DC at Metatopia in Morristown, New Jersey. Then, November 9th through 11th, you can find me, Mel D'Amato, Megan Dornbrock, Jim McClure, and the Broadswords at a Catacon in Dayton, Ohio. Before we get back to the episode, I want to take a quick moment to thank some of our backers on Patreon. Veronica Ring. Thank you. Kristen McLeod. Thank you so much. Jillian Steele. Thank you very much. Joshua Gately. Thank you. Shiloh Bernstein. Or Shiloh Bernstein. I don't remember how the differentiates. Thank you so much. Valerie Perham. Thank you. Blake Fishman. Thank you so much. Alex Flanagan. Alex is the co-host of the Cryptid Keeper podcast, which is one of my favorite podcasts and helps me get through these dark times. Be sure to check out Cryptid Keeper if you haven't already. Thank you so much, Alex. Flabio. Thank you very much. Eli Martin. Thank you. Fred M. Bagley. Thank you so much. Avidan Ackerson. Thank you so much. William Mackey. Thank you. Lillian Whithouse. Thank you so much. Michelle Shepardson. Thank you very much. Matthew Bowen. Thank you. Daniel Higgins. Thank you so much. Corey Jones. Thank you very much. Nathaniel Olin. Thank you. Dylan DiGatano. Thank you. And this is just three question marks, so I think I should fill the air with an inquisitive silence. Thank you very much. And William Scott Palmer. Thank you. Thanks again to all of our backers on Patreon. You make everything that we do here at the network possible. November through the end of December, OneShot is going to be hosting a network-wide Patreon drive. We're looking to do exciting things here at the network, like return campaign to being a weekly show, adding new interesting podcasts to our feed, and of course expanding our efforts on Twitch. A Patreon drive also means all sorts of interesting bonus content. And if you want to hear that content as soon as possible, the best way to do so is to enroll at the $5 or more level to make sure you have access to the secret archive. We're going to start posting that bonus content next month, as well as our milestones for exciting backer rewards. So if you're not a backer yet, consider doing it soon. With all of that out of the way, let's get back to the show. We are cutting to... Mr. Bailey's arm is in a sling. Oh, Mr. Bailey, why you do this? And y'all are escorting him out of like a hospital type area. Uh, it's a little bit later in the month. We are a lot closer to Halloween. So a couple of days have passed. Yeah, a couple of days have passed. Oh, so I, I actually took a, took a hard one. I've been in the hospital for a couple of days. You are walking now. Yeah, maybe, maybe, maybe it's just been a day or so. Um, okay. Yeah, I'm, I'm trying. I, I don't remember our original timeline, and I'm probably going to have to Swiss cheese it. Uh, <laughs> but 
I'll just give you a little bit more time to to show that you know the maneuver that you pulled was risky, and that although you rolled extremely well for it, uh, you're not able to avoid all consequences. Nope, nope. I think I like that a lot. But it's okay because now you can keep on trucking. You monster! You trash monster! Thanks. We have to be with you the whole <laughs> you time. You garbage hole! It's just we're stuck. <laughs> Can I? Can the kids have brought me some books while I'm in yeah. there? Yeah, and it's it's sort of like under the under the pretext of like, oh, Halloween is coming, ooh, ghost stories, and what it is, it's like I want to like know, like, oh, from the 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 old records room, like what you know, what like I want to know, like what did she use to cut? The devil's tongue out. There has to be versions. Oh, of that. We're all yeah, just like carrying like, huge yeah. boxes of old papers and putting it in your room. And I Hank, would... Hank tries. He really does. But the first book that he gives you is The Crucible. <laughs> not incorrect. It's not incorrect, but it's also not correct. Could, could I get a brains roll from everyone? Everyone make a brains roll. <laughs> On whether or not we don't know The Crucible. <laughs> uh, I'm going to make that an eight. Okay. An eight. Five. Oh, a one. All right, so I very think, distraught. I think that's what I think it is. Hank, Hank, um, uh, you know, everybody kind of like had their idea of like going to the library and whatnot. And I think these two talked to librarians, and librarians sort of gently guided them because, like, you were talking about the Heller story and like stories surrounding that. We have to do a book report on the Heller story, please. Yeah, they they gently guided you to not great information. So, you know, you've got uh, microfilm, uh, uh, the newspaper stories. There is like sort of the legal perspective of this. That's what most students are learning about. Um, but Hank, I think uh, one of the things that Mr. Bailey taught you to do is, you know, use that uh, note card system. We use the card catalog. Yeah, use We're the all about the de- Dewey Decimal System and the card yeah. catalog. So you found local folklore. Mm-hmm. And you hunted around for a missing book, mm-hmm. uh, and like I think this was a wide trail. That if like we were doing this as a television series, uh, this might have almost been an episode uh, of you hunting down mm-hmm. this book. Uh, you had to get help from library a, montage. A, yeah, a young uh, like volunteer librarian um, who. But you've got a crush on her. Yeah, kind of like routed you away, or uh, the librarian was sort of routing you away from that book and and this volunteer like helped you track it down in a back room or something and it is just local folklore uh legends and tall tales and it's written by someone who is like uh you know the carnival stopover part of the town that is where it came from so you have this book of tall tales that has a pretty good story about Mary Heller and the devil. Mr. Bailey, Mr. Bailey. So they were they were trying to put me in 200, in 290, but that's like church stuff. So then I remembered, I was thinking about like social sciences stuff. And when you told us that we should check twice, and then we went to 390 and we found this book, but this book wasn't in there. So we found it on the ground, actually. That's primary sources, my boy. Yeah, you got to go right to the source. That's That's some good stuff. And I'm assuming this is like, typewritten like this is somebody typed up pages and it's bound it's the only one i've actually run into books like this in libraries where like local folk stories this was somebody's pet project who like went and gathered shit from the locals and it's not even unusual in this town i think if you are interested in the history of the circus and and carnivals and that sort of thing uh, there are a couple of personal essay collections and whatnot that are bound in a similar way in this library so you've seen stuff like that before so um do did you read it uh what do i roll for this uh i don't think you have to roll for this uh i i think you you can tell me there's got to be a detail about this story that stuck out to you that i think will be useful for you and your team as you move forward what is that detail i think me and brody are playing like paper footballs (laughs) (laughs) okay so the detail that's important is that this trial was concluded a year after the Scopes Monkey trial, mm-hmm. and there was a specific addition to the house that was built six months before she was put on trial. Yeah. And we know which region of the house that is. Yep. 
And I think one of the interesting parts and like you and your library assistant uh, dug into this more because uh, there's definitely like zoning stuff surrounding that edition. There was some foundation work. Yeah. In that edition. And that chapter is about how when she went, when she took the stand, they mm-hmm. kept on questioning her. And the name of the chapter is still Mary held her tongue. Yeah. <laughs> like we can see back in time, the author being so proud of himself. Like, yeah. I nailed it. <laughs> I done did it. I wish someone was around here to appreciate it. Oh, well. well yeah, maybe time. someday some kids will find this and read it and they'll catch that pun. And I'm dead now. And we cut to his gravestone and it says, like, beloved nailed punster it. died alone. <laughs> I appreciate it. Died of a grave. Died of a grave illness. Yes. <laughs> and people just walk by and spit go, on it. <laughs> Still terrible. It's it's the only uh, gravestone shaped like a urinal. <laughs> uh, yes. So so what does this mean? We know that she's got new. She's got, she's got new. She put a new place in the in the house. What was what, what, what are we here? That means that's where we're going. What do you? Oh, you mean that's where she put it? Where she put the tongue? Yeah, maybe. Guys, I don't get something about this. That's a book. No, like someone uh, wrote it. Just more it's not bound, but still a book. I know it's it. Like it looks weird. I don't like the the binding. No, I mean about all of this. What does the Muskrat Club have to do with this? Huh. Like my mom and dad used to tell me about the Muskrat Club, and they used to say. The reason that they never joined up was because if you get in, you can't ever really get out. And they've always been kind of free spirits about certain stuff. What do you mean you can't get out? It's you like the Hotel California. Yeah, kind of like that. They love that song. That's oh, yeah, that song good. only came it's out a couple radio, years ago. It's yeah. on the radio all the time. Yeah. It's kind of like <laughs> everyone kind of wears the same clothes. And on Saturday nights, they have this this party, but... The, they went to one party and they said they just didn't like it. It freaked them out. And, and Brody, Brody walks over to like the window and he's like, but they take care of kids there. No, they don't. Brody's definitely looking into his own reflection. Mm-hmm. Well, I don't know about that either way. It was just weird. It's a weird place where people are hanging out. And if you go in, you're always a little bit off. I want to know more about that business card trick. There's no, I don't know. You don't, you don't have it anymore. What? Well, here, kids, this is something that normally you wouldn't learn until later in your lives. But I know about the birds and the bees, Mister Bailey. <laughs> no, well, yeah. we got an owl. We got, got, an got owl. a. Sometimes when an owl really likes a hornet, a hawk, and or oh, a hawk, or a hawk. Sometimes an owl likes a hornet, and they they pollinate the flowers in the in the in the hornet in the in the in the, in the field and then the owl watches but like what <laughs> happens <laughs> sometimes people like to watch and sometimes people like oh, to no, i'm not shaming right you. I'm like, who gave you this talk is what i want i see like you know like the kids go back and forth and mr bailey it's like at first he's like this is funny and then he realizes that they're kind of serious and like his expression goes to like just mute horror. You guys, he realizes, this is the worst town. You can it's be so a bee, gross. you can be a hornet, you can be a wasp, or you can be a hawk or an owl. And if you're a hawk or an owl, <laughs> you have to be with a bee or a wasp. But if you're a hawk, you can have the option of being with a hornet. What? And then sometimes the the hornets, sometimes that they just they're just fine being by themselves, right, you know, like right. the, the they just hang out they just and hang they're out. like, and there's no okay. and there's no pressure there's no or anything. Pressure that. They like to they appreciate flowers, yeah. but they don't have any yeah, interaction okay. with it or anything. Yeah, but Mr. Bailey, what happens if a in hawk Carter's and a hawk America, the bird and bee speech is a lot more robust to include <laughs> different sexual proclivities. Mm-hmm. I feel like that's just it. <laughs> oh, that's actually really nice. Yeah, nice. <laughs> you know how they have the like the chicken, the fox, and the sack of grain riddle it's yeah. like that except that's the core that goes through the whole semester of sex education it's so long yeah. it's like all these possibilities it's like how, a hawk can be white-tailed it can be black-tailed it can be uh <laughs> it can have wings you can have full wings it could so be if there's pollen on one side of the beehive <laughs> right. The first. Right. but then sometimes you can't get to the other side of the beehive without going on top of the owl at right. first exactly yeah right. this is a very important <laughs> interlude <laughs> 
and the owl likes to watch. Uh, always. 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 Never, pati- never participating, but always appreciating. And you know what? Good for him. Yeah. Yeah. Or, but yeah. what was oh, Mr. Then. Bailey actually trying to say? We're going to find out now. <laughs> I like I like how this like all unfurls like it and, and Mr. Bailey actually like is trying to figure out if this is weird code. Maybe learns a thing or two. Maybe you know. Um, it's not the size like, of talent. It's how you use them. You know. That's yeah. a, that's a, that's a, <laughs> says, no. Oh god. Here. Here, it's that when you have people who have power, they get together and they create systems so they get to keep power. And normally, like, the same family tends to be mayor a lot or one family owns the bank and then they also own some of the stores or one person owns a lot of the houses, right? Um, or the must- but it seems to me, if this is the sort of town where the devil hangs out, that like mortgages aren't the big game in town. <laughs> Souls are. Wait, wait, wait. Hank, do you know the names of the people who like ran the trial for Mary Heller? Do you know? Uh, yeah, of course, of course. I think you, you all know the names if it would be convenient for wait, you. Wait, let's, let's look at the names. Let's what are the- all say them at the same time. Let's say them. Let's say the names. <laughs> The, the Jones family, the Marcus family, and the Shepherds family. Wait a second. So all those the Joes, the Marcuses, and the Shepherds—they were all part of the her trial, right? But I know the Marcuses. I know. I know some Shepherds. I met their kids once. Are they muskrats? Think so. They're all muskrats, and it's sort of a rundown of uh, the city council too. This goes straight to the top. Now, I've had a couple of days on my back here, mm-hmm. like trying to puzzle this out because, to me, young woman does right for her town against powers that oppose her. That story I get because, like, the devil bad she figures some thing out and does something good gets punished that's clean but like as soon as you have an angel in here like what the fuck is his deal right is he the owl is he just like to watch <laughs> have i holy is, like, shit <laughs> is, is like and so like yeah. I, I that's what I've been trying to draw a bead on because like I either need an ally or I need to know if like did Mary Heller it did she get it coming and going from from the white hats and the black hats yeah. have I found anything like that or like had f- been able to formulate a theory I can't come up with uh, like any any luck any weird tidbits that might tickle something I, like can we that? look up the case like that and you, you know haven't. what I think we can have given you a dream. So I think when you, when you were in that hospital, there is Mary Heller standing at the foot of your bed. That was a good thing that you did. We're losing time, though. I know we need to find it before they do. But I don't know what to do with it. If you can keep them from finding it, that's the best thing. The thing that I'm worried about is them disrupting the spell. I I can't just live there and sleep outside the door. I've worked a very long time to keep people out of that house. I finally lost that. I need you to move the tongue so they don't go messing with something they don't understand. Just put it somewhere secret, put it somewhere safe. If that house gets disturbed, especially the foundation of that house, then those people are going to have a lot to answer for, which means everyone is going to have a lot to answer for. They're watching and they're waiting. And at the first weakness, they're going to come in and everyone is going to pay for it. Okay, then I just need to know 
and then I assume I wake up. <laughs> yep. <laughs> well, that's all fine. There's one piece of critical information that I need to, and yeah. <laughs> Goodbye. Just for the, the sake of ease, was Mary acting as kind of the gateway between the supernatural and the real world? Or like what she did was keeping keeping like everything at bay, like the chaos of the supernatural at bay. I think it is fair for you to make that assumption. Okay. I'm making that assumption. Um, and my, my question is, if we burn the whole house down, that's not going to help because then the furniture, then the foundation will be easier to disturb and get to, right? Yeah, I, I think I think that house is pretty critical, and she's kept it empty for a so long. The house time. is like a seal, kind of. Uh, <gasps> Brody <gasps> had an epiphany while we list when we read who the families were because mm-hmm. it was Joseph's, yeah, Shepherds, and Marcus, which is his last name. <sighs> no. Yeah, Brody Marcus. What? Yeah. Really? Yeah. Like yeah. Marcus Brody. Like Marcus Brody. Did I really say that? Yeah. <laughs> I can't believe we did that. So he has gotten this purpose, like purposeful glow to him now, like determination. He, he He's like dumbstruck. He's he's just literally going, that's my, that's my name. Like they're clearly not as well off as like the other Marcuses, but he's like, mm-hmm. that's like their cousins or whatever. Yeah. He's like an offshoot of it. You do have rich cousins and you don't fit in. With no, I don't fit in with them. And he's like, it's, He's like kind of backing away from the group and he's kind of like, again, like spiraling out like this information is new to him. And he's this makes sense. This makes I got to It's got to be me. It's got to be me. I got to make it. I got to atone for what my family did. I got to talking about. I got to go. Marcus, Marcus, my last name. Wait, that was you. That was your family. Part of it. I got it's got to be. But like your family killed her. Probably. I mean, not me. Like I got to. We if all, it's my blood that did it, then I gotta go. Do, I gotta go. We all killed her. I gotta. I gotta. I gotta go. I don't know. I gotta go there. I we gotta all gotta go. go. We'll what? go. We gotta go. Okay, and then I assume the orderly comes in and finally signs the paperwork, and then we get out of the hospital. Yeah, and I think we get a neat like synth beat as, yes. as yeah. you're walking out of the hospital, um, as you're riding in the car. And uh, as I think like we see the moon sort of rising and you are sitting in the living room of Mr. Bailey's place while this music is still playing. I I think we can see exterior shots of the house. We're looking at the neighborhood a little bit and we can see a much closer shot of this seraphim sitting on top of a roof. We can see down at a crossroads a figure in black and then on, on the beat of the pulse of this track we get closer and closer to the witch house and we can see Mary Heller looking out over the street concern on her face. They're all getting closer. We pull back and we are once again inside Mr. Bailey's place looking over uh, everyone's faces. I just want to see shots like emotion. What look do we see on the folks of each of these characters as we get a close-up shot of each? What are you feeling right before you have to go do this thing? Party Sub doesn't really know how to feel about the fact that they're about to go do battle with the devil. Um, (laughs) So he does like one of the other things he can think of, which is to make himself look a little more presentable. So he grabs a toothbrush out of his backpack Mm -hmm. and he runs up to the bathroom, which is on the second floor of uh, Mr. Bailey's house. And he starts brushing his teeth and then he looks down at his hoodie, which has the Ghostbuster symbol on it. And he says, Buster makes me feel good. (laughs) (laughs) Brody is, is, Got like kind of the Jimmy, the Jimmy like going is he's very like nervous and he's like lacing up his chucks again, like very, very tightly and like tucking the laces into his into the shoe. He kind of is like holding the jacket, the bomber jacket, um, and kind of almost it, it, if anyone was to walk, were to walk past, it would almost look like he was, he's praying to the jacket, um, but he's holding on to it and, he, and he's just putting all the intent that he has to right wrongs um, into that jacket uh, and then he, he slowly puts that on and uh, zips up all the way up and then realizes it looks cooler when it's halfway and zips oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, dude. <laughs> Cody has such a look of young determination and makes him look like a couple years older because ever since he met Mary down the basement 
He's never really had such a sense of moral clarity. He doesn't care about like the science of it. He doesn't care about why. All he knows is what he needs to do, and that's to help this lady who asked for help. And he doesn't get a chance to help people very much. He's always a person that needs to be helped, and this is a very rare opportunity for him. So he is just badass and determined and ready to go no matter what happens. And with kind of like hell or high water, he's going to make it work. Um, hell or high water. Hell or high, there's the title of the episode. Hell or high, high water. water. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And so he's just zipping up. He's wearing a very, just a light, nice light jacket just in case it gets cold because he knows his body temperature is, doesn't, re- doesn't regulate very well. And what about Mr. Bailey? So I have an idea for, because again, Mr. Bailey is going to be like obsessed about like, if he's going in there with like no tools, it's like he's going to desperately cast about for like his best guess. And I have an idea for the flashback. Mm-hmm. I could, we could do it now because like as he sits there, he's clutching this thing in his pocket. Or we could wait and I could do that if it becomes relevant. Let's do it in the moment. I think we see you clutching something in your pocket. Okay. And we see the look of determination on your face. You still have your thing, right? Yeah, that's my um, And then in in this moment, like when he's up there, and you see, like he's when Hank is is upstairs, and he goes, "Bustin makes me feel good." Cool. Mister Bailey, be like, "Hey, um, I found these, you know." And he's got a pair of like new shoes. Oh no! And and he's like, "They're not new shoes, but you know that's probably for the best." I mean, you wear new shoes, you get blisters. But uh, I noticed you. You know, and and then he just quits. Like he he mm-hmm. quits like this bullshit, and he's like, "If it gets bad, you run." Hank takes the shoes. He starts lacing them up. Um, but before he can finish, he just leaps at Mister Bailey in a big hug. Oh! Oh boy! Oh. And then our our music returns. And we see you all walking down the sidewalk past, you know, your own homes because uh, you all sort of live along this block and can see that there are lots of cars parked along the sidewalk as the lights inside the Heller house are on. No, there are people there? There are people there. No! There are some balloons out front tied to the mailbox that sits at the end of that dirt lawn. It's a housewarming party. No, it's not a housewarming party. Evil balloons. Of course, they are evil balloons, pranks, because they've got the Muskrat Society crest on them. Um, Brody seeing this, he takes out, he has in his jacket kind of like the the leather bomb. Like, what is it? Like leather bomb or like... Resin? Yeah, but it's gonna. So he kind of takes that. And it's like blackish or whatever, and he yeah. puts it uh, into the sockets of his eye, like around his eyes or whatever, and then he draws boot black. Yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. Uh, and then he, so he puts it around the sockets of his eyes, give him like that, and then he puts uh, four lines uh, over his mouth uh, as if making like a skull face, oh. like a rudimentary skull. Pretty cool. <gasps> Cody Pretty doesn't cool. see this. Like, yeah. Like, he he oh. kind of like offers it to anybody else. A lot of goes, a lot of people see his face on the poster for this TV show, or like on billboards. Oh yeah, that's like the like, iconic yeah. shot. When does this happen? Yeah, uh, it's in the opening credits. <laughs> I don't see it happening. What is he? Is he bad? I like him. Um, I like the little child. I hope he's not bad. And he kind of gestures this to everybody, and he goes, "Trick or treat! I, Trick or treat him!" <laughs> Yeah, 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 yeah. Cody takes it. Uh, he tries to do the same thing, but he ends up. It's it on his nose. He looks. He looks like a little panda. He he a little, like, yeah, a little panda. A little panda it looks so cute. <laughs> Can I do it? You know what? Hank says, "You look great." Hank looks at what Cody's results were, and then he looks at Brody's results, and he decides not to try his luck. He just pulls his hoodie up and then mm-hmm. puts sunglasses on and then strikes Ooh. a pose. Mr. Bailey? Yeah, he gives us Mr. Bailey. And he kinda like nudges like kinda goes like, Come on. Come on, like, Sebastian. He hits he hits his arm and like smudges it on like smudges the stain <laughs> on his shirt. <laughs> oh boy. Uh, it's not breaking and entering if they don't find us. 
trick or treat Halloween party. I'll 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 be the ones bringing you guys trick or treating, right? You yeah. just don't I mean, want us to do a makeover. Fine, whatever. Okay, 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 and, okay. Wait, 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 wait. And he, and he, and he, 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 he jumps back into the house. I don't know. We're mid eighties. Have we nailed it down to a year? No, because we couldn't. Stranger Things couldn't do it, and they like they wrote. So it has that. to be after 1984 because that's when Ghostbusters came out. But beyond okay. that, I don't know. But we don't know what happened in Carter's America. Things could have maybe been go- earlier. Maybe Ghostbusters came out earlier in right. Carter's America. Who knows? Mm-hmm. Okay, so he goes in. Maybe Ghostbusters wasn't so creepy in Carter's Eddie America. America. <laughs> yeah, uh, Dan yeah. Aykroyd let an editor read the script. Yeah, <laughs> before they you can't out. have him harass this woman as the romantic lead. Right. <laughs> hey, Dan, how about that BJ scene gets cut? How about that? <laughs> it doesn't make any sense. I know you really like it. I know you like also, it. Also, the face you make, not great. Yeah. 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 You know what, Dan? Why don't you? Get into vodka earlier. Yeah. Get into vodka. <laughs> Dan, get into the vodka. Ernie Hudson's going to be the number three, and we're going to have a great time. And then, and, then it's, and then it's unbelievable. You know what? Then Ghostbusters 2 never happens. Yeah. And Ghostbusters 2 is better than Ghostbusters. I'm sorry. Oh. I'm sorry. Okay, because well. the point of the movie isn't that we watch Bill Murray harass a woman for an hour. Right. But it, uh, okay. Well, this is another podcast. <laughs> <laughs> and that editor's name was James Carter. <laughs> so uh, what mask does he? <laughs> so yeah, so anything's possible. So yes, the kids are, the, the kids are having this discussion outside, and uh, and then Mister Bailey what comes what out with the worst possible costume. Oh no! What does he have? And I'm trying to decide. Like I'm trying to think. Like what is the most iconic thing Great. that a teacher? would actually like try to do and it would be such a ball drop you just have a bathrobe and uh, a winter scarf and you're the fourth doctor you're a nerd <laughs> would that be better or worse than trying to dress up as the single sequined glove and red jacket of michael jackson oh, oh, go, with that. Yeah. go with that you gotta go with that. Why you, yeah. he's got like an oven mitt yeah it's an oven yeah. mitt why are you sitting on that door <laughs> No, no, no. I, I want to say... We're out here that, pitching garbage. I know. <laughs> and he's got gold. he got gold. Let's go, he, Jerry. He he comes out and he actually has the sequin glove. So it's like, oh my God, he was planning this costume already. Great. Oh, yeah. Which, oh. you know... He, and he looks so good. <laughs> we just all kind of look at Mr. Bailey like, whoa. <laughs> Can you moonwalk? And Mr. Bailey actually does the thing where he goes up onto his tippy toes. Oh, yeah. what? Oh, 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 man. Bailey, Bailey, Bailey. <laughs> you bad, Mr. Bailey. You, you bad. bad. You bad. And you find yourselves in front of the Heller house. Well, heroes, that's it for One Shot this week, but don't worry. We'll be back with the conclusion to our Kids on Bike series next week. The tracks featured on this episode were Dreaming by Lee Rosevere, Can You Kiss Me First by Hair Doctor, The Scream That Shakes the Soul, and Spooky Tension Building Synth by Solar Flare, Omega by Graham Fielklitz, Ambientro by Kid Nasty, Muffled Synth Pond by Highway 17, Alone Once Again by Daniel Birch, Hiding Your Reality, Killers, Long Note 1, Medusa, Stormfront, and The Descent by Kevin McLeod. You can find most of that on the Free Music Archive and the Kevin McLeod tracks over at Incompetech.com. In the meantime, be sure to check out the other wonderful shows on the OneShot Network, like Total Party Kill. TPK is a weekly live Twitch stream where John Patrick Cohen, Eddie Klinker, and James Dugan play through Cephalofair Games Gloomhaven. Join them in the stream to play along through the action and interact with a constantly changing cast of characters and special guests, or watch them after the fact on the OneShot YouTube channel. TPK airs Thursdays at 7 p.m. Central Time on twitch.tv slash OneShotRPG. You can also check out OneShot's newest podcast, A Woman with Hollow Eyes. It's the audio adaptation of our Invisible Sun stream, A Woman with Hollow Eyes, starring myself, Cat Cool, and Alan Linick, GM'd by the incomparable Darcy Ross. You can find it wherever you download your podcasts by searching A Woman with Hollow Eyes or Darcy Ross. As always, we end OneShot with a call to action, and this week, much like last week, I am telling you to go vote. 
the vast majority of our audience falls in the 18 to 35 demographic. And y'all, I hate to tell you, but that demographic is one of the least likely groups of Americans to vote. This country needs your perspective more than anyone else. Head to vote.org. Look up your nearest polling location and vote early if you can. Encourage your friends and everyone you know to go vote. Even if you're not registered, you can vote with a provisional ballot in most states. As always, a humble and hearty thanks to our supporters on Patreon. If you want to help us in a non-monetary way, the best thing you can do is tell a friend. You can also leave us a rating and review on iTunes. Every five-star review we get helps new people find the show. For the latest one-shot news, be sure to follow me on Twitter at OneShotRPG. Look us up on Facebook at Facebook.com slash OneShotPod. Or look for news on the site at OneShotPodcast.com. If you want to inquire about ad rates, live appearances, commissioning episodes, or you have a general question or comment for the show, contact us at GameMaster at OneShotPodcast.com. OneShot is a production of the OneShot Podcast Network in association with Paracosm Press. Paracosm Press is a Chicago-based tabletop games publisher. You can find more information at P-A-R-A-C-O-S-M-Press.com. Finally, that music, which is right now swelling up over my voice, is Adventure by Be Your Own Pet, courtesy of Infinity Cat Records. See you next time, heroes. Heroes.